DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Welcome to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2, as Middlesbrough's dramatic victory over Leicester results in the Foxes now suffering back-to-back defeats. Middlesbrough 1, Leicester City 0. Leicester had 12 shots, couldn't score. Leicester lose back-to-back games for the first time this season. Middlesbrough, though, knocking on the playoff door. The pain continues for Wayne Rooney in Birmingham City, with the Blues still waiting for a win in his tenure. Clark still going. Clark puts it into the six-yard box, and it's turned in! She scores! And Sunderland surely now picking up all three points. And what a start for Joe Edwards at Millwall as his side put four past Wednesday at Hillsborough. You wouldn't sit there and daredream about winning your first game away from home 4-0, but at the same time, um, what it took to, to achieve that was a bit of everything in the performance. We'll also consider whether Rotherham are doomed for the drop after they sacked manager Matt Taylor earlier today. So many interesting scorelines to discuss with all the big talking points from Leagues 1 and 2 as well. Uh, With the company of the former Wolves and Reading midfielder Dave Edwards, you're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Hello, thank you for joining us. I am Hugh Wizencroft off the back of Another electric weekend in the EFL, uh, which has provided us with plenty of talking points. Unfortunately, another sacking as well on this Monday for us to get into a little bit later on, all in the company of the former Wolves and Reading midfielder, Dave Edwards. How are you doing, Dave? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am all right. Um, I was, well, I say treated. I was at uh, Loftus Road at the weekend. It wasn't exactly a treat. Uh, One of the worst first halves of football I've ever seen. There was a little bit more in the second. Uh, QPR nil, Bristol City nil. Liam Manning's first game in charge of Bristol City. A first home game for Marty Sifuentes. And um, I think they will both be content to avoid defeat. Let's call it that. But um, great to see a big crowd at Loftus Road. Uh, the biggest of the season. Uh, just over 17,500. And they gave the new manager a warm reception. And in fact, those travelling Bristol City fans did the same for Liam Manning as well. Just a shame we didn't get more action. Yeah, but it was it was good nonetheless. Right, let's get into it. Um, starting at the Riverside, uh, where Middlesbrough beat the leaders, Leicester City. And they left it very late as well, I've got to say. What a fantastic winner Um, from Sam Greenwood. A stunning free kick at the 83rd minute as well. Whipped in off the post from long range. If you haven't seen this, make sure you check this goal out. But that result means Leicester head into the international break. Still top of the table, but only on goal difference now from Ipswich Town after back-to-back defeats. Borough up to 10th, now just two points outside the playoff uh, places after their tough start to the season. And it was a first league victory against Leicester since 2002 as well. What I loved about this goal in particular was the way that everyone screamed absolutely blue murder um, because of the foul by Chowdhury in the build-up. Well, the foul that, in fact, uh, led to this free kick. Um, And then everyone's mood was completely different five seconds later after he whipped it in uh, off the post but it was again another great performance from Middlesbrough and um, a little slip up from Leicester that's showing us that they are human at the moment yeah it is a massive win for Michael Carrick and this I think it puts uh, a real stake in the ground to the improvements they've been making obviously they had a an awful start to the season but the last 10 games, they only lost one game in those. Um, they hit some terrific form, more like what we saw last season from them. And, and what a goal. Uh, Michael Carrick, he wanted to play on, didn't he? But it got pulled back. But 
Greenwood with an absolute incredible free kick. Um, both the goalkeepers had really good games up to that point. Both Dieng in goal for Burr and Hermanson. It looked like there wasn't going to be a way through, but Middlesbrough got it. And Leicester, say everyone's favourites to go up. They are a terrific team when you look at the squad they've got. But back-to-back losses, lost at Leeds, uh, lost at home to Leeds and away at Burr. Tough games, but they'll be looking to bounce back as soon as possible. Let's hear from their manager, uh, Enzo Maresca, who feels his side were punished for not taking their opportunities. We create many chances, uh, many situations where we could score. And at the end, it's it's football when you miss, miss, miss. And yeah, then they score a fantastic goal. It's a moment where you create, but uh, you don't take the chance. And the opposite, they score a fantastic goal like today. And yeah, it's what it is. Maybe um, it's a little bit of a reality check for Enzo Maresca in this side. But I think we all know any FL season is long. You're not going to win every single game. We never thought they were going to have the perfect season. Um, and I think they still remain the strongest outfit in the division. But it gives us something a little bit, if you like, of interest in terms of that title race now to see Ipswich Town level with them. Um, but on Sam Greenwood, just to take it back to him for a second, Dave, you know, four goals in his last six games, just 21 years old, on loan from Leeds United, where he hadn't really found his feet in his career, really, because the Premier League, as we know, is so highly competitive. And he feels like he's just finding a home here at the Riverside, which is important for any young player. Yeah, it is. And I felt like he's a little bit unlucky with his opportunities, maybe at Leeds. But um, it's a terrific move for him going to a club like Middlesbrough, who were competing up there last year. And I do think they'll they'll really make a push and get up into that top six again this season. So for him to be playing games of football is important. Scoring goals from sort of that midfield wide position um, is important. You can see his quality. We saw it at times last season, even when he did get the opportunity at Leeds, but um, he's massive for Michael Carrick. Uh, when you lose the goals of of Cameron Archer last season and um, you need to replace them. Um, and, and I think Greenwood could be one of those players who who does that. Yeah, he's given them just that little burst of life uh, at the right time after their difficult start. And look, Middlesbrough now right back in the playoff picture as well, which is exactly where they want to be after, what, the first seven, eight games without victory, I think it was. So a great turnaround from Carrick's at Middlesbrough. And uh, listen, a man that he knows very, very well in the shape of Kira McKenna continues to do fantastic things at Ipswich Town. They are now level on points with the leaders Leicester City in the Championship recovering from an early setback to beat Swansea City. Liam Cullen sent off for Swansea in the game, but really the result never in doubt. As well as now only training Leicester by goal difference, Kieran Kenner's team have maintained an eight-point cushion over Leeds United in third. Massive for them. Um, But also Swansea slipping down to 17th. We'll come on to them in a moment. I wonder, it's a weird one. They, they did come back They did come back for the victory at Switch, but they have conceded in the opening 15 minutes now for the third game in a row, albeit they've scored in 35 straight matches. Um, do you think they could now win the title? Is that the belief that they've got? Or do the previous two draws against Birmingham and Rotherham point to the fact that they are still just a little bit behind Leicester? Yeah, I, I still think Leicester will win the league. I think they've got the most quality um, in the squad. A lot of experience in the team as well. But Ipswich, they've got that that key thing of momentum. They they were so good last season. I've been following them for a few years and watched quite a few games under Kieran McKenna. And the way they play football is is really easy on the eye. They play in good areas. They're exciting. Scored the most goals in the championship this season. Free flowing. So you're always going to get entertainment at Portman Road. And I do think that they will finish in those automatic spots. But 
to go past Leicester might be one step too far, but no Ipswich fans would be moaning whatsoever with with the start they've made. Um, I say just scoring goal after goal. You've got the likes of Chaplin and Broadhead who are in, in such good form. You've got Herstal still at goals, but I think the standout player for them, Leif Davis at left back, what a signing he was. It Spending 1.2 million on a player in League One raised some eyebrows, but his form has been absolutely incredible. 10 assists already this season for Leif Davis. Gives the team so much more than that. His composure on the ball, he gets the team high up the pitch on that left-hand side. Um, and Kieran McKenna has just done such a wonderful job to get them playing the way they do. And it, it's great because Ipswich have had a tough few years. Um, Mick McCarthy did such a good job when he was there and you just see them slide and not really be able to find that form. But it just seems like the whole football club now is is moving forward and say it might be a little step too far to beat Leicester, but I really do think they'll end up in those automatic spots. Yeah, still highly impressive and uh, incredibly competitive so far this season. Swansea, off the back of, of four straight victories, have now won just once in their last five games. It really comes down to goal scoring, in a way, because they hit 3-3, three, 2-3 three, three during that winning run. Um, they failed to score in two of the last five. In fact, they got two this weekend, but really it was 1-1, one, 0-0 one, zero, zero in terms of their scoring. Um Listen, I just think it's a bad run in terms of fixtures. I think I'm going to put it down to that. They played Leicester, Watford, um, Blackburn away and got the victory in that game. Drew with Sunderland, although Sunderland were, I think, would have been good for the three points in that game. And then, of course, they're away at Ipswich this weekend. So I think we should see them, hopefully, after the international break, uh, back to their best. And hopefully there's no pressure building on Michael Duff because, um, look, we want them to be a competitive side. We want them to play good football, but a new manager coming in needs to build, Okay, And I think he's going to have time to do that. So we'll move on elsewhere to Southampton. A very good victory this weekend against West Brom, stretching their unbeaten championship run to eight games. Um, they had the perfect start. Will Smallbone uh, scoring very early on. Carl Bartley hitting back for Albion um, before uh, Armstrong hit the winner uh, for Southampton. Uh, took a touch before firing past Alex Palmer. Victory for Southampton uh, puts them fourth place before the international break. They're a point behind third place Leeds United. So right in it for Ruttle Martin's side. How, how impressed have you been by them in recent weeks? I think it's more the the strength of character from um, from Southampton. They obviously start the season well. Then they had that they had that blip, didn't they, where they lost four on the bounce. It was against tough teams. They lost the likes of Ipswich, Leicester and, and Middlesbrough in that run. And obviously the, the thrashing at Sunderland as well. But they've showed real character to get themselves back on track. Um, everyone knows Russell Martin is going to be a possession-based team. At times it can be a little bit frustrating, but they, they're they getting results now. They're looking resilient or more resilient in, in defence. Um, and when I look at the squad, I, I really do think they can go really far this season because you look at the players on the bench, likes of on Saturday, Shea Adams, Ariba, Ross Stewart, Samuel Adozi. These are top quality players, all played um, a lot of football in the Premier League. I know Adozi's come from Man City with that quality, but um, to have that to come off the bench, that shows how strong the squad is. And now they're starting to pick up these results. Adam Armstrong in terrific form, nine goals this season now. Um, struggled for goals last year, but he's found that form. So, yeah, I really like the look of Southampton. But I say it's more that that mental strength they've shown in in the last month or so after a lot of criticism was heading that way after that little run of form. Yeah, I think I, I tend to agree with you on that. And the relationship definitely is building, but the cohesion there, if you like, as a, as a United football club, and I think that is one of the reasons why 
they have that belief and the fans are right behind them right until the end of matches because they know they've got goals in the team. They've got a very strong bench. And um, yeah, they might well be turning into a side that's going to be right up there if they can continue this form. So another uh, positive weekend for them. Defeat for West Brom. I have no major concerns for them. I think Southampton away will still be one of the trickiest fixtures in the division this term. Uh, Okay, you're listening to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. Made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. And up next... We're going to dive into the other championship business. No wins yet for Wayne Rooney as Birmingham boss and another sacking this time at Rotherham. Stay with us. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Hello and welcome back to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2 with me, Hugh Wizencroft, and the former Shrewsbury midfielder, Dave Edwards. We've been examining this weekend's results uh, in the championship and we've got to start with, I want to say the dream start, the perfect start. Could it have been much better for Joe Edwards, uh, the new Millwall boss away at Sheffield Wednesday? Okay, it was against the bottom side in the division, but it was a comprehensive victory. The first win for Millwall at Hillsborough since 2005. By the way, what a great goal from George Savile in this one. Uh, It was the biggest away win for Millwall in nearly six years, and it was their first win in six games as well. So a very important one at four Millwall. A defeat, though, means more misery for the recently appointed Wednesday boss, Danny Roll, who saw his side register their first win last season, uh, excuse me, last week against Rotherham. But defeat does still leave them rooted to bottom spot. Um, let's hear from Millwall before we dive into it. The new Millwall boss, Joe Edwards, uh, he was ecstatic with the performance of his side in only his first game in charge. You wouldn't sit there and dare dream about winning your first game away from home 4-0, but at the same time, um, what it took to, to achieve that was a bit of everything in the performance. It was it was grit and organisation in the first period of the game, which was difficult. Um, a lot of organisation on the pitch from the players, but then ultimately when it settled and we'd, we'd earned the right to play and we'd, we'd sort of rode the storm, it was then about showing some showing some quality and, and, and showing some sort of uh, clinical execution in and around the goal. So they're all things that I knew these players were capable of, which is why I was so excited and so grateful to get this opportunity. As you say, it's it's not it's not that often in football that they all sort of come to the fore in one day. So so we're delighted with that. A big boost for Millwall and a big confidence builder for Joe Edwards. His first senior football match in charge. He wins it four nil, and that's something that they can get onto the training ground with, if you like, with a, with a big buzz now, you know, a, a big confidence um, to build into their next fixture after the international break. If you were in that squad, Dave, you know, a first match in charge, you don't know the manager that well. They've been there for a few days and yet whatever little they've given you comes to fruition like that. How, how good will that be in terms of the positivity in the changing room? Yeah, of course, it, it will really help. And when you look at the opponent, Sheffield Wednesday, you kind of... You're thinking, is it a good start going to Sheffield Wednesday? They obviously they won last week, but they've not been in great form. But as a player, I think you're probably more, and the manager will be thinking that's more of a potential banana skin. So to to come through it in such excellent fashion, clean sheet, four goals away from home, he'll he'll be delighted. Some good goals in that as well. A lot of good work down the right hand side for the second two as well. Sheffield Wednesday will be disappointed defending. Um, George Savlin, an old teammate of mine, arriving from midfield like he does ever so well. I, I really like some of the players in the Millwall squad, really experienced championship team, maybe just haven't quite got the best out of that team in, in recent weeks, hence the Joe Edwards um, taking over. But yeah, I really like him as a coach and 
hopefully managerially or really adapt to this Millwall team and, and keep them moving up the table. We'll hold our judgment on Sheffield Wednesday for a moment because we might as well talk about the bottom of the table generally, I think, at this point. Um, but I think the big news regarding the bottom of the table is Rotherham sacking their manager, Matt Taylor. The club's 22nd in the championship. His final match in charge was the 5-0 defeat at Watford on Saturday. It leaves the Millers four points from safety. I have to say, they're not exactly cut adrift, but there you go. Taylor had been with the Yorkshire club for 13 months after leaving Exeter City to replace Paul Warner at the New York Stadium. He did keep Rotherham up last season, but he departs after just two wins from their 16 league games so far in this campaign. The owner, Tony Stewart, said, "Uh, It was felt by myself and the board that we had to act now by making a managerial change in order to give ourselves the best possible chance of retaining our championship status this season. I don't know about this one because I think Matt Taylor's done a pretty good job. They survived by six points last season. They are, as I just said, only four points adrift in this campaign. And all right, you will need a little positive run to close that gap, but by no means um, cut adrift. So why make this decision now? Because it also kind of makes me think, what kind of club do Rotherham believe they are, with all due respect? You know, this is a club who, if they stay in the championship, it is a fantastic performance from them. They want to be challenging. If they're in League One, they've done that the last couple of times they've been down there. Um And I think Matt Taylor still would have given them a good chance of survival, albeit it might not have been entertaining. It may well have been attritional at times. Yeah, I think it's more what direction do you want Rotherham to head in? Um, Obviously, Paul Warner had left and Taylor came in and possibly wasn't used to or wasn't the same style as what Paul Warren was in terms of a manager. Um, Definitely played a lot more football at Exeter. Um, I watched Exeter quite a few times under his reign and they they did do really well, play some really good stuff. But I think the players at his disposal at Rotherham forces you to play a little a, a different way. I was at the game earlier in the season when they played Bristol City um, at home. They ended up losing that game late on 2-1. Um, and you could see the manager really trying to adapt. They've got the likes of Jordan Hugel in the team. They have to go direct to him. That's the best way of, of them scoring goals. They lost um, another old teammate, of mine in Tyler Blackett and he was excellent that day and he hasn't played since a hamstring injury. Um, I do think that's a huge miss to them. Um, he's He was a real sort of leader that day, um, but they're not blessed with the best squad. They are who they are. Rotherham fans will understand that. They've been very much a yo-yo team. Staying up last season was, was always an achievement um, and it's always going to be difficult. They're not able to go out and spend a lot of money on players. So, Unfortunately, until that changes, this is is where they're at. And maybe they were hoping Matt Taylor could really try and find something from the players and a, a slight change in style to to make them more, a more competitive championship team. It hasn't happened. Did he have enough time? He he, he probably he probably didn't get the the progress that he was expecting. Um, but it's really interesting to see what what direction they go in. Do they go for the more experienced manager, more of a firefighter type of manager to just try and get results no matter how, or are they going to look at a bit of a project? It's it's a mm. difficult position for Rotherham at the moment. Exactly, exactly. When we look at the bottom of that table, really it's from 19th downwards, I think. Plymouth Argyle there, 16 points from 16 games. At the same uh, points record as Coventry just behind them. And then you've got Huddersfield, 15 points, beaten 1-0 at the weekend by Hull. You've got their manager, Darren Moore, you know, calling for fans to stick with the process. He says there's no quick fix for the situation. Then we've got Rotherham, who are four points behind Huddersfield. 
QPR, who drew with Bristol City, as I mentioned at the weekend on 10 points, and Sheffield Wednesday um, cut adrift, obviously, after that 4-0 defeat uh, to Millwall. Uh, In terms of who might go down, uh, what do you think of the relegation picture right now? Um, I would probably even look a little bit further down from when you look at the table. I think it's probably out of the, the bottom four. I know it's incredibly early in the season to say that, and you do get the odd team which will go into free fall. It happens every single year, but it's hard to pick which team would do that out of the teams above them. But I think I think Plymouth with the home fans there and the relationship that the staff have with the with the fans there and the players, I think there's a good thing going on there. So I expect them to be able to pull themselves clear and get a bit formed. Coventry were just below them. Again, they had a terrific year last year. And I think they've got too many. I know they've lost some key individuals, um, but I still think they have a little bit too much, too much experience in the in the management and the staff side to to go into trouble. So it's between Huddersfield, Rotherham, QPR and Sheffield Wednesday. QPR is a little bit of the unknown with the new manager. What sort of difference can he make? Can he get them out there? Sheffield Wednesday, I believe, are, are dead and buried. They're sort of, they can't score goals at all. They've only scored seven goals this season out of 16 games. It's it's um, a terrible record and they're conceding goals, obviously like four, four at home against Millwall. Um, but yeah, I think Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham really going to struggle. Huddersfield as we worry for as well. Um, but yeah, I would say it's out of, those, out of those four. We'll see. We shall see when it comes to that. But worrying times at several clubs and Rotherham deciding they need a change at sooner rather than later. Okay, uh, let's look at some of the other results this weekend. We've got to talk about Wayne Rooney. Uh, his winless start uh, to life as Blues boss uh, reached a new low on Wearside. Uh, a fourth loss in five games since he took charge at Sunderland 3, Birmingham 1. Tony Mowbray's side, just too strong. We also saw the Blues old boy, Joe Bellingham, uh, meeting the side that he left in the summer. And he scored, didn't he, for the first time in three months. Um, strange moment, I'm sure, for him, having spent his childhood at the club. And, of course, we know what his brother did there too. Uh, the Blues, though, have dropped to 18th. Um, they've picked up just one point from a possible 15. They now have to wait a fortnight before he gets what will be his best chance to claim his first victory, a must-win game for pretty much everyone in the league at home against Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, What do you make of Rooney's time in charge so far, Dave? What went wrong for them this weekend? I think it's always difficult when when you're coming into that sort of situation that Wayne Rooney was, because Onusis has done a, a terrific job and the club were obviously in, in such a good spot, sixth place when he took over. So... Straight away, that brings um, a little bit of expectation. And there's obviously things that Wayne Rooney is not happy with within the squad. Um, been on a, a terrible run, but they, they have got good players. I feel like the way he wants to play is going to take a little bit of time to implement. I do see January being very important for Wayne Rooney. Um, I think he would like to make additions to the squad and try and make it more his own sort of style of play. Um, but in the meantime, they need to find some form from somewhere. Um, they're not in a good run. He, he's got so much experience. He won't be panicked by the situation, but they do need to find some results and pick up some results. So when it does come to January and you can start to do a little bit of work in the market, then they're in a, a stronger position because they, they have got good players at the moment. I really like Jay Stansfield and Dion Sanderson's a good leader in that team, um, but they're just not finding that form that they had with, with John Eustace and, and that'll be a worry for Blues fans mm. um, and they, they, I don't think they were really in the game on Saturday against Sunderland as well Sunderland started fast could have quite easily been two or three up before um, Blues got that equaliser and then obviously after that Sunderland ran away of it at the end as well so worrying times for 
for Blues fans. But I do think Wayne Rooney will will get it right. But results are a must in the short term. Yeah, we shall see. It's going to be an interesting one in terms of January. If I was a fan of Birmingham, um, I would be, <laughs> I'd be looking. I think. Uh, at Manchester United's under-21s uh, in particular to see where some uh, talent might come into the football club. And who knows? Um, because I think after last season, the performances he had, Amad Diallo back from injury may be very, very intriguing to see if he comes on loan back to the championship. Very quickly, an important victory for Norwich City this weekend. Easing the pressure on David Wagner. Spectacular late fight back. Saw them win 3-2 at Cardiff City. Adam Eders at late goal First victory in seven championship games for a depleted Norwich and just their second away from Carrow Road this season. The Bluebirds dropped down to ninth in the table. They saw a three-game on beta run come to an end. Norwich climb a place to 16th. But as I said, incredibly important win for David Wagner, one that may have potentially kept him in a job. And after the final whistle, he confirmed he'd received the backing of the board. This phone call from Delia and Michael meant a lot to me because... We have not spoken beforehand by phone. Uh, obviously, we've seen us a few times, but to get the backing, which I've known that I have it because uh, some other board members told it to me, uh, meant a lot to me. And obviously, if you feel this backing, you have a bigger chest in a, in a difficult situation and can stay in front uh, of your team and your backroom staff. This was important. Um, it was nice to see something special for sure because they don't have to do it, uh, but they have done it. And um, I'm very lucky that we got this win today. So Delia Smith and Michael Wynne-Jones, the joint majority shareholders at Norwich, telling the manager, we like you. But maybe it's just they're giving him a little boost before the match. Um, do you expect to see any kind of change? Has David Wagner saved his job here? It certainly helped. I know he had the, the backing from the board, but that's almost like a, um, the last resort, isn't it, when that happens and another result could quite easily see it change. But when you look at their team, they've scored a lot of goals this season. I think they've got the, the joint most. So it's obviously a defensive issue and they scored another two goals at Cardiff. But to show that resilience of, of fighting back late on in the game, that shows a real togetherness. It always does. When you look at teams who can go late into the game and come back into it. That shows that a group of players and staff that are together. So I do believe he's got everyone on side, but defensively they do really need to to improve. They brought in Danny Bart, another old teammate of mine from Wolves. He'll definitely add to that. Very good in both boxes. Um, but yeah, they need to stop conceding goals. Yeah, we shall see if Norwich can improve further, but it was a big victory for them uh, this uh, weekend. I've got to say, by the way, Errol Bullet. Uh, fuming with his Cardiff players for lacking fight and losing concentration. He essentially implied, uh, I'm, I was going to give them a few days off. They were already on the beach in the last 20 or so minutes. That was the implication when it came to them losing concentration late on. A good start to the season, but the manager has higher expectations. Um, let's see if Cardiff can respond to. Okay, you're listening uh, to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. Made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18 plus, begambleaware.org. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on TalkSport 2. You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. I'm Hugh Wizencroft alongside the former Shrewsbury and Reading midfielder. Uh, David Edwards is here with us. Uh, let's uh, dive into League One, shall we? And we'll start at the top. Portsmouth 2, Charlton 2, Conor McGrandles uh, with a stoppage time equaliser for Charlton. Uh, 
And it, uh, listen, it was at Fratton Park. It was a pulsating game. Uh, Abu Kamara putting Pompey ahead. Um, and then Alfie May levelling in the 71st minute. Colby Bishop restoring the lead from the spot. But McGrandles in the third minute of added time gave the Addicts a point. Um, an important point for Charlton. But I wanted to talk to you about Portsmouth because I'm, I'm kind of... You know, there are many ways to, to get results and points. And people would say this is two points dropped. You should have held on late. But I think they're showing their strengths during what is a difficult time for them because injuries are totting up. Tino Andrian and Regan pull the latest to go down. It is, I think, a bit of a period of adversity for Portsmouth. But because their results have been so solid, because they remain unbeaten, you know, people are kind of saying... They've dropped off slightly by dropping a few points of late. I don't see it that way, actually. I think if you're still not getting beaten, despite some of the issues you've had, well, this is, for me, the, the champions in waiting. What do you think? Yeah, they, they have got a bit of adversity recently, especially with Regan Paul. He's been excellent this season. Um, really good ball-playing centre-back. Um, I, I watched Portsmouth a few times this season, and... I think he has been a terrific addition. So it's been losing for so long. And ACLNG always affects the whole squad when when that happens because it kind of, as a player, it makes you feel sort of, well, it shows you how tentative life as a footballer is and how quickly you could be on the sidelines for a year. So um, there's difficulties there. But I do feel there will be some disappointment because I thought Pompey dominated the game. And you look you look at Charlton's two goals, um, Will Norris will be really disappointed with the way he's let them in, both at his near post, especially the the second one, the equaliser late on. He'll sort of probably 99 times over 100, he would save that. So the game was there for them. They had good chances to put the game to bed, um, but they are in a good place, Portsmouth. I think um, the way that John Messina has gone play has to be a real credit to him, um, taking over obviously from, from Danny Cowley and trying to almost changed the philosophy a little bit as well. They took a bit of a punt on a younger manager, but he's he's repaying them because they play some really good stuff. Colby Bishop on fire. They've made some some really good signs as well. I really like Robertson from Man City, who they brought in as well. Um, Abu Kamara, what, what a terrific hit that was for the first goal as well. And he's someone who's got the X factor in the way he plays. So um, I'm really happy for Portsmouth because they've been there and thereabouts in recent years, but been almost through just hard work more than anything whereas now they look like they've got some real quality and and they have enough now to to really go on and, and make sure they are in those automatic spots come the end of the season someone chasing them to be there as well Oxford United won 3-2 away at Leighton Orient for their sixth away win in League One and it gave interim manager Craig Short the perfect start it was a brace from Ruben Rodriguez uh, one from Billy Bodin um, they were decisive although the host did reply through Finn Stevens' own goal and a strike from Rule Satiriu um, despite the late pressure though Oxford managed to hold out to maintain that quest for automatic promotion obviously it was their first game since Liam Manning left to take over in the championship at Bristol City but it didn't make a huge difference did it in your eyes? Um, not by the start. Um, they absolutely flew out the blocks, didn't they? 3-0 up. Um, lots of chances. It's a huge blow for them to lose Liam Manning because I think the way he wants to play football, the the technical aspect and the way they want to dominate the ball, Oxford have the players to do that and he's really got the best out of them. Their away form has been astounding all year. Um, but their hope that they can continue the form Um as I said, it's it's always going to be difficult for a new manager to come into the situation, um, taking over a team that's doing extremely well. Um, and it'll be a big task them to do. Orient 
they, they battled back really well in the second half and they've they've been doing okay as well but Oxford, I, I do think it'll be a tough ask for them to really stay up and around those automatic positions and, and play as consistently as well as what they have been under Liam Manning. Um, and it'll be a huge task for whoever they decide for who is right for the job moving forward. It's a weird one, this job being up, because Oxford were doing so well. Some feel it's an overperformance where they are in the league uh, so far, but it would be a great position to take over a team but you need that con- consistency in terms of how you've been playing because clearly the players were in a rhythm under Liam Manning. So what kind of manager comes in next in your eyes? Um, some talking about the Notts County boss, Luke Williams, coming in. Dean Holden, who was at Charlton, who's available. I mean, who would you like to see in the hot seat there? It's re- it's really difficult. Um, I-, I do think they have to go for a similar character to Liam Manning because um, he's got the best out of that that squad of players. So it has to be a manager who who wants to play football, um, play out from the back. Um, and you look at the squad they've they've sort of got there. Um, they've got them attacking in a way where they're, they're scoring a lot of goals, but they're spreading the goals out all over the pitch. They're not relying on one player. Um, and you do that from just being a really well-structured team. Um, and I think they were very lucky to to get Liam Mann. I know things didn't go incredibly well for him at um, completely well at MK Dons for him all the way through his, his time there. But um, when they took him, I don't think they would have ever thought that it would have been as successful as what it was as quickly as what it was. Um, but yeah, I, I would say a younger manager who really wants to, to really continue Liam Mann's success in the way you play football um, to go and change it and be any way more direct or anything like that, I think would be the wrong choice. So yeah, mm. big decision to be made, Oxford. Yeah, and Oxford Mail reporting that Oxford-born Des Buckingham uh, could come in 38 years old, currently in charge of Indian Super League side Mumbai City following stints at Wellington Phoenix and the New Zealand age group teams. Um, so we shall see what appointment they make. I kind of like this period of new names coming in, new managers being given opportunities in the EFL. That's what we want to see, freshen things up. Although, to be honest, Neil Warnock, who knows? It might be him uh, once again. Uh, let's move on to Derby County next. A 3-0 win over Barnsley. Um, they ended Barnsley's unbeaten away run in League One. James Collins scoring twice in that game. Uh, only two defeats in 10 league games now for Derby County. Five wins during that time, but they are now, they're now level on points with sixth place Barnsley. In your eyes, have Derby fully turned a corner? Is this a side that we're going to see march on up the lead? Again, they, they have the squad to do so. That I think they've got the the best quality in, in League One in terms of players. Um, like I was talking about Rotherham, I'm going to change his style. Paul Warren coming to Derby. He's, he didn't fit the way that Derby County have been playing over the last four or five years. Um, definitely a more football-based philosophy. So Paul Warren's had to adapt as well. And he's just trying to find that consistency. Hasn't quite happened all season, but it does look like they're starting to get on a bit of a run now. Um, but say so they, they have lost a couple of games. They lost at, at Shrewsbury, which is a bit of a shock for them. And they've lost to Stevenage. But I think with the players they've got in the squad, they should definitely be a, a playoff team. They're right on the the fringes of that now. Um, and I do think the, the longer Paul warns there, I do think the more um, the more used they'll get to the demands because from a physical point of view, from speaking to players who have played underneath him, he demands you to give that work rate to be as fit as possible. Um, and maybe that wasn't the case at Derby beforehand. So they'll all be getting used to it and that consistency, that will 
that'll bring if they can get that consistency then then they'll be right in the mix i think for those promotion spots now, tell us about the Dave Edwards derby this weekend. Uh, two of your former sides meeting, Shrewsbury Town 3, Reading 2. Reading's woeful away form continuing. Um, listen, it was a great start from Reading. And, you know, the way that Shrewsbury came back in this game, for many of the Royals fans, it wasn't a big surprise. They actually thought their team was still going to lose. Um, what did you make of the performance of both teams? Um I don't think either team played incredibly well. Reddin um, obviously went 2-0 up, but it was two goals where Shrewsbury would be horrified with the defending. Um, first one was, say, a long clearance. And Sam Smith, who's been a, a welcome addition back into the squad, he was sort of one of the big signings in the summer and he missed um, all of the start of the season with a thigh injury. So he's come back in, he's scoring goals. He'll be key to... Red didn't have any chances of of staying in the league. Um, he took his goal really well. Um, and the second one as well, mistakes really by the Shrewsbury defence and goalkeeper allowed Ballard to get the goal. Um, but after that, it was it was a pretty much of a nothing game. Not a lot happened in either boxes. If anything, Reading probably had the better chances. Um, Shrewsbury got the goal back before half time. Um, Big Reddin's mistakes, all goals really, defensive errors. Um, but Tom Bader took the goal, the the goal really well from a tight angle. Um, but second half, the game was just almost flitting away from a Shrewsbury point of view. They weren't creating a lot of chances. But the longer it went on, you could just see Reddin getting more and more nervous. Um, they had a couple of opportunities around 70, 80 minutes to to get that third goal. It didn't. And then you could just see them dropping further back, further back, further back. More set pieces started to come into the box. And then it was two late corners for Shrewsbury, which which did the damage. And yeah, Reading looked startled. They didn't look like they really wanted to go and attack that ball in the box. Shrewsbury always looked like the ones who were going to win the first contact. And they did on on those occasions. And it's a huge result for, for Matt Taylor. Um, and Shrewsbury, a lot of pressure has been coming on on Matt Taylor's shoulders in in sort of recent weeks. Um, and the way they celebrated again showed a team which was really together, really behind the manager. Um, so a real big win for Shrewsbury, who aren't who haven't scored enough goals this season. I think they've only scored ten now, so they're on seven before um, before Saturday, which which isn't good enough. That shows where Shrewsbury have struggled. Um, but I do think they'll be okay. But Reading, I feel really sorry for what's happening at. Um, down at the Medeski at the moment with the ownership, the points deductions, having to play a lot of kids in the team. They have got a fantastic academy, which which does help out, but they've got Hutchinson and Yeardom in the squad, wing with some experience, but yeah, really lacking um, some real older heads in there to really get this young team through. Um, and at the moment, I do feel sorry for Ruben Sellers because I say from a mentality point of view, going into late into games, like you said, it's just like they were waiting to lose and and that's a real sad place to be in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it looks like, uh, who knows, Mike Ashley and the takeover, you know, an old name in football could come back and rescue the club. But in terms of their league position this season, I don't see it being recovered. It's sad, but hopefully we do get to a position where there is a bright future for Reading ahead. Okay, let's uh, get into League Two. That's coming next here on TalkSport 2. You're listening to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. Made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. 
Hello, welcome back to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Not long to go now. Let's discuss um, League 2 with Dave Edwards, uh, who's alongside myself, Hugh Wisencroft. And we'll start with Crew's 1-0 victory at Notts County at the death. And there was lots of drama as well. Courtney Baker Richardson's stoppage time penalty was the difference. It was an ill-tempered end to the game. Baker Richardson fired home with 98 minutes on the clock. That was after County winger Jody Jones uh, was adjudged to have handled Ryan Cooney's volley. There was a chaotic finale. The assistant referee awarded the spot kick. That was shortly after the first referee, Simon May, that went off for a hamstring injury. The referee's assistant then appeared to be hit by something thrown from the crowd before moving to the other side of the pitch when the match resumed for the final 30 seconds after a lengthy delay. Confusion followed the incident. Police stewards on the pitch. Uh, They were dealing with fans who'd gone onto the field after the penalty was scored uh, and that situation with the official as well. And Dave, it is just not something that we want to see. No, definitely not. And say, Crew and Notts County both doing investigations into into what happened. It was controversial the decision at the end, but even so, um, I don't think I've ever seen it where a linesman has to change sides because of the the grief he was getting, objects coming onto the pitch, intimidation from the fans. I think everyone in football knows there is um, a level of that going on, but there's a there's a line which shouldn't be crossed, and it was definitely crossed on Saturday. So it was a real shame. Um, so you're not scaring to have just hit a little bit of a stumbling block the last couple of games. But um, yeah, I, I just feel like when it goes to that length, then there needs to be repercussions. And I'm sure there will be. It means that Crew are in fourth place now above at Notts County. So it was an important victory for them. As you mentioned, back-to-back defeats for Notts County. Uh, let's talk about some of the other sides ahead of them as well, because I think really when we look at League Two, it's the consistency now of the sides at the top hitting their stride, which makes you feel like those drop points for County could be pivotal come the end of the season. Because elsewhere, finished Swindon 2, Stockport County 4. Um... And of course, Stockport have just been on an unbelievable run at this point in time. Stockport sealing their 13th victory of the season. Uh, The defeat, though, is Swindon's fifth in a row. That leaves them 12th in League Two. Stockport five points clear at the top and looking like an unstoppable machine. Yeah, and I was worried at the start of the season because barring their their really poor start last season, um, Stockport would have been up in those automatic spots. They had to settle for a place in the playoffs. And when they lost the first two this season, I thought, oh no, it's the same old story, but they found their stride a lot quicker. Um, won 11 on the bounce. That's incredible form for for anyone. They've got some really good players. You've got Alife scoring goals. You've got Barry scoring goals. Will Collar, who got the penalty, scored the penalty, but he's getting goals and assists. It's... It's a really strong squad. It's a terrific atmosphere they have at Stockport and they're winning away from home as well. So they've got everything um, at their disposal to go and win that league, I believe. The experience of last year, um, and they just need to keep this momentum moving forward because there are other teams around them who are finding form as well. Exactly. But I feel like Stockport are the superior team at the moment. Uh, Gillingham slide down the table, continued. They were beaten 2-0 at Wrexham. Wrexham are one of those sides where, you know, we talk about Stockport, they're surely going to be right up there as well. They've got to grips with this division and these two sides could move away. Yes, there's a five-point lead, of course, at this point in time for Stockport. Wrexham only a point in front of Mansfield but um, and, and Mansfield have a game in, in, in hand, but you do feel more and more confidence growing when it comes to Wrexham. 
yeah, huge credit has to go to to the manager Parkinson because the way they've adapted to the league has been incredible. Very inconsistent at the start. Um, that opening game um, against MK Dons, where they thought, or oh, maybe is it going to be a year of um, Wrexham just having a little bit more stability, making sure they're let, they're ready for League Two. But since then, they've only lost one other game, um, and that was against Stockport as well. So I've seen Wrexham play a few times this year, and the crowd there is is top top draw. You've got Elliot Lee who's on absolute fire from midfield. George Evans, a lad I played with. Um, at Reading, and no disrespect to to Lee too, but George Evans, I believe, is too good to be playing that football. So that just shows the pull that Wrexham have, bringing in the likes of Stephen Fletcher. Uh, I know he's that injured at the moment, but a goal scorer. They've got Paul Mullin back fit. So everything's moving in the right direction for Wrexham. And again, if they can just maintain that momentum, then it, it'll be a hard team to stop with what's going around Um the town at the moment and the way they've got the the stadium bouncing in the last few years. I say once they get on these runs, more often than not, they they really continue them. So yeah, them and Stockport would be my favourites to to keep them going. But Mansfield again really pushing them from behind and Nigel Clough sort of using all his football knowledge to make sure he's got a team that's competitive at that end of the table as well. Absolutely. Four straight league wins for the Stags. They are in the automatic promotion places as well. And another team who could cement a long run. I think it's going to be a really intense automatic promotion battle. We might see another classic in terms of a title race itself as well. Uh, Dave Edwards, thank you so much for being with me to look at some of the big stories uh, from the EFL this uh, weekend. A reminder, you can listen to us every Monday from 6pm here on TalkSport 2. If you miss any of the shows, you can listen back on the TalkSport app. We're also available as a podcast. You can download it wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search EFL All Access. Thank you all for listening. 